Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse Show. Maria Shalaz, Tom Bettis with you this morning. We're taking your calls and the phone lines are open 801 575 8255. You can also text us at 57500. I think it's so cold and it's so gunky out there that nobody's even thinking about going outside this morning, Tom. I don't know that they are because I. If we didn't do the garden show, I would still be in bed. Oh, my goodness. Or I would be at kids' sports <laughs> games, one of the two. But uh, there's actually – things are quickly ramping up with what can be done in the yard. We talked about in mid-January to mid-February is the time to prune your shade trees if you need to mm-hmm. because they're fully dormant. And then just within – it's already February 4th – excuse me, hiccup – um by mid-February, we're going to be pruning apples and pears. And then mid-March, it's going to be time to prune a lot of other things, including stone fruits. But then you've got a lot of bushes and things that you can prune then. And snow will eventually melt off and you need to clean up leaves that have blown in over the winter. So we've got another couple of weeks and then it's on. And uh, hopefully our air is going to clean out after a big storm that's coming our way. It's not a big storm, but it is, you know, we do have about a 60% chance of snow tomorrow, which makes uh, Dave Meekham incredibly happy. I'm surprised he's not jumping up and down in the other room. 323 days to Christmas (laughs) or something. Some mornings I just want to hurt him when he says things like that to me. Uh, I love Christmas, but it is not. I would rather have Easter, Dave Meekum, because at least I don't have to buy presents and it's still a religious holiday instead of something that's become very commercial. And he says Easter will come on the way to Christmas, and he's absolutely right about that. Yes. I, my wife, I think it was my wife, had some of her preschoolers ask if Santa and the Easter Bunny were married. <laughs> and like, how do you answer that? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> They're from a different kind of species. I don't think so. Oh, boy. Number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500 at the top of the 10 o'clock hour. Our feature is uh, talking about winter damage. But do you really think uh, with all – we haven't seen a winter like this for, I don't know, a decade probably, right? Correct. And so the moisture is really good. And the one thing that is going for us with this winter is the snow cover. And so the temperatures we've had are, even though it got cold, if you had snow cover, the bases of your roses are protected, your perennials are protected, your strawberries are protected, the bases of the raspberries are protected. And so that's part of the reason I'm not as worried. Mm Mm-hmm. 
but we're going to talk about things that you can look for or should look for uh, once that snow yes. does begin to melt. And that'll be the top of the 10 o'clock hour following the news. Uh, so what keeps you busy at in the extension office this time of year? Well, it's a lot of industry groups, whether it is the uh, Lawn Care Association or the Parks and Rec Association, the fruit growers, agronomic groups, you know, the the field crop growers, onion growers are all doing crop schools right now because they don't have time as soon as the snow Once melts Once the season off. gets going, yeah. And so myself, J.D., Mike, Sheridan, you know, the ag agents are incredibly busy this time of year because they're putting on crop schools. I know that Kaylin Taylor and Jake Hadfield are two ag agents in Juab and Miller Counties have been moving their crop show or their crop school on the road and they're doing a couple a week. And then we had the fruit growers meetings, which were a three day event, but the planning for that is extensive to have two days of classes and a tour and Mm -hmm. luncheons and everything. And so a lot of what we are doing right now is actually helping industry groups, green industry groups and agriculture with educational needs before they start in for a new season. Yeah. Are you starting to get concerned that we're seeing we've had a lot of water this winter and people aren't going to be as focused on drought tolerant planting? Yes, I am worried. I think that slowly people are getting in mind that even in good years with population growth that it is just going to be something that is part of our culture you know and it's not that our yards need to look like those in las vegas or phoenix or mesa but reduced areas of turf is going to be a definite must with more drought tolerant plantings of things that are still very beautiful, but beautiful. just different than what we may be have used. And so that's going to be something that is always with us. You know, I just, I've been following the news a little bit on the Colorado River Compact, and it's looking like in some of the literature I've read that states that use Colorado River water are facing 40% cuts in what they're using on top of what they already committed to. And so Utah hasn't used a lot of it, but contractually we have rights to Colorado River water. And our Southwest, as their population has been growing, has been looking more and more at the Colorado River as a source of water to sustain that growth. And you've got states like Nevada and California squawking saying, hey, you know, you haven't had the growth yet. Why don't you use what you have better and more efficiently because it's just you're taking a diminishing resource. And so no matter what, even in good years, especially when we start hitting 4 million, 5 million in population, we're not building many new reservoirs. The ones we have are smaller. They're enclosed in big tanks. And it's going to become more expensive to irrigate. And we're just going to have to change the 90% of our yard being in turf yeah. to other things. It's a, a good opportunity. It's giving you, it's buying you a little more time to plan and actually put it in is. a more drought-tolerant drought landscape. If this keeps up, we may not need to activate our sprinkling systems until mid to late May on the Wasatch Front and maybe into June in colder mountain valleys. You know, that is a benefit, but we will dry out during the summer. 
you know, unless we have that once in a hundred year, you know, where we get lots of rain during the summer. And so I think that it's giving us a reprieve. We're still in drought. Our reservoirs aren't full yet. The ground was so dry that a lot of the moisture we received is being absorbed into the soil and not running off like you would expect it would. And so if next year we're like this, also, then we would really start to say, okay, the, you know, the Great Salt Lake's going to fill up a little bit more, Utah Lake's going to fill up a little bit more, and, you know, we could start looking at some of this runoff for that, but this year the soil was so dry that a lot of the water is staying in place. Yeah, and why would you want to waste so much money and water um, when you could have something that is more drought tolerant and just as beautiful. I think it's a great opportunity to plan and maybe do smaller areas at a time because it's not cheap, Ton, no. to, to change up your landscape. We have to admit that it's not cheap, but there are programs available. And if you do a small area at a time, it makes it more manageable. It does. And so the Weber Basin, Jordan Valley, and Central Utah Water Conservancy Districts have programs in place that you can redo your park strip. You can use another program called local scapes that you'll get partial reimbursement. And it depends on what you're doing, but I've heard an average is 30 to 40% of the cost for areas that you're doing. You do need to meet certain requirements and submit plans and let their horticulturists go over them and then follow their process. But still, if they're going to help you pay for 30 to 40 percent, that, that's substantial. Yes, and I think they do have caps even on that, but it is substantial. There are programs now that I believe will pay you per square foot for removing turf and putting it into other styles of landscaping. And even with the yards we have, you know, when you think about the irrigation and, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it was just water, water everywhere as inexpensively as you can. But we can have yards that look very similar to what they already do and probably use 30 to 50 percent less water through a process called hydrozoning to where we're using drip and micro sprinklers. And then you, you, know, you obviously have your lawn sprinklers. And one thing with these is that as the plants grow, the irrigation isn't static and you need to go in and change the kinds of irrigation. So because a fully grown shrub or tree is going to need a different kind of irrigation than something newly planted, but 30% to 50% less water is huge as far as conserving water in our state. Yeah, and if you are thinking of doing some, like something like that, there are great programs um, hold, held by the Extension Service, uh, Conservation Garden Park, places like that. They offer these great programs that teach you how to put together these landscapes on your own. But I hope they start ramping up the number of programs available because last year when we were doing our Dig Around Town calendar a lot of these programs fill up so quickly, they almost don't have enough people to be educating people, to teach people yeah. how to really do this. Yeah. It is something that is, there's a lot of demand for. Conservation Garden Park especially has a lot of 
pruning classes and how to design flower beds and, you know, proper maintenance of turf. And these are all offered at very low cost or free, but you register and they fill up. Weber Basin Water does the same. Central Utah offers a lot of classes online. So if you are in Central Utah Water Conservation District, Conservancy District, get on their website because they offer these classes, at least they have online and they don't cap the numbers. So that's, those are, there are some resources some out there, mm-hmm. yes. Number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can also text us at 57500. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Morning. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with the KSL Greenhouse. Maria and Ton with you. We're taking your calls. Phone lines open 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. Ton listener wants to know, what is the best time to prune, what time of year is the best time to prune the blue atlas cedar or other pine trees? Now, you need to be aware of how to prune pines and other conifers. And my question was, do you prune pine trees? You don't want to tip prune them except for when they have new growth. You can cut about a third of it off. If you're taking limbs out, you pretty much need to take them back to a major branch intersection or to the trunk because when you make a cut into older growth on conifers, it will not grow back. Okay. So now's the time to do that if you want to do that. If you're, say, raising up underneath the tree to see under it, or if you have a branch growing into a fence or into a house, now is the time to do that. But you need to be careful, and I would check out some fact sheets on pruning conifers. Okay, you had a question about the Mondale pine. Yeah, so this one says, uh, Mondale pine says, I bought Mondale pine and from Star Nursery in St. George. It's growing great in central Utah County, but I don't see it should... I don't, but I don't see it should up here. So I'm grow here. Probably what they're saying. Am I going to have problems? So Mondale pine is commonly grown in California and St. George because it is native to warmer areas. Mm-hmm. And so it's one that is hardy to zone 6B. So if it makes it through the last weather we had last week, it should be fine. But they probably have the only one in the county. Wow. So okay. it is something that's not usually grown here because we have so many cold hardy pines, but it's hardy down to about zero to minus five at least. So I think it'll be okay. But there's a whole host of pines grown in warmer areas that are not hardy here. Canary Island pine, the Mondale pine, um, there's there's three or four of them that we just don't grow here. So Okay. Well, Colleen is in Taylorsville. Good morning, Colleen. What is your question? 
Um, I tuned in just after nine and heard you talking about the drought-tolerant grasses. Uh, I guess it was three seeds put together. At least. I'm not sure of the exact mix. Go ahead. Um, It was three grass seeds that were drought-tolerant. I'm wondering where to get them and can we use it for overseeding? You probably can, like in theory, but they it, they may have restrictions on how they're allowing people to use it because it has been in short supply. And your best option is to call the Salt Lake County Extension Office or whoever your administers your irrigation water. So whatever authority is doing that. Okay. Yeah, he All was right. talking well, about a special mix that's been put together and is being promoted by Salt Lake City. Yeah, Salt Lake County. Salt Lake County, I think County City too. But yes. Okay. So to call Salt Lake County and talk to them? Yeah, whoever your irrigation water comes from. Sometimes okay, there's some Taylorsville Banyan, I believe. So you could call them and see if they have it available. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks yeah. for your call this Rhea, morning. Be- before we go to break, I wanted to mention really quick that a lot of different entities are offering fruit tree pruning classes. Mm-hmm. And there's a big orchard group down in Utah County, Cherry Hill Farms, that's offering pruning classes on peaches and apples. And they're going to be a lot more in-depth than just the standard 15, 20 minutes. And so I believe the registration is $20. But as these pruning opportunities come up, whether it's you know the uh, Conservation Garden Park or Weber Base, and I like to bring them up, so many people want to know how to prune. But you can go on the Greenhouse Facebook page and get information on how to register for it. Yeah, and it's so important to uh, know exactly how to prune these things. I didn't know until I started taking the Master Gardener classes that it's not just giving the tree a haircut. No, it's not. And you can, fortunately, the trees will grow back, but you can do a lot of damage if you don't know how to prune correctly. You're, You're pruning for fruit production. And so that's what they're going to show you for disease prevention and to control the size of the tree. And so there's just a lot of tips and tricks that they will show you. The two orchardists that are going to be offering the class on and off have had side businesses pruning people's fruit trees, really qualified. So, yeah, Cherry Hill Farms, and you can find the registration links on our Facebook page. And we're getting uh, closer to the time when you actually want to do that pruning. You really do. Two weeks on apples and pears and then about a month on the stone fruits. See, there are things coming up that we can do out in our yards, right? Uh, when we come back following the top of the hour news, uh, we're going to talk about uh, these very cold temperatures we have been having and whether or not they could cause damage in our yards and things to look out for when, uh, when the spring hits. And just a reminder that if you did miss the first hour of our show this morning, you can catch it later on today in podcast form. And you can go back and listen to other shows if you're, you know, having that yen for learning more about your yard. And all you need to do is go to kslnewsradio.com and check out the podcast there. We have 30 more seconds, Tom. 30 more seconds until the sun is out and uh, we're stuck in the gunk, but we have uh, a storm coming in tomorrow that's going to make life better. And we've had people who are planning on going out and doing a little bit of pruning today. Yeah. And especially in your shade trees, you can get that done. And if you have to, apples and pears can be pruned. I'd wait a couple of weeks, but if you're going to be busy, you could get that done today. All right. We'll be right back. 
two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.